Good morning. This is our fifth week in a five-week series of conversations we've called How to Hear from God. Uh, this has been um, an amazing series of conversations for me, and thank you all for your uh, comments and your emails, and I've been profoundly encouraged, moved by uh, some of your stories of hearing from God. So today, lastly, we're going to turn our attention to how God speaks to us through our internal processes. In John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So how is it that we listen to the voice of Jesus? How do we hear from God? At times, it seems like God is shy. He's certainly not intrusive. He's not presumptuous. He's meek, not pushy. Uh, several weeks ago, in our staff meeting, we did a devotional from, uh, together from an incident that's found in Mark chapter 6, where Jesus, paused for dramatic effect, walked on water. He literally went for a stroll on the Sea of Galilee. And if you imagine for a minute that this story is true, actual, and it is, this one instant would make Jesus the most interesting human being that ever lived. Forget raising Lazarus from the dead. Forget his own resurrection. Forget that blind people can see after he touches them. A human being just like us walked on the water. Okay, that's crazy. But be, even beyond that, Something brand new struck me when we read this passage a couple of weeks ago in staff. And I, I want you to hear this. This is from Mark chapter 6. This is the account. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. <laughs> okay. Did you notice that? He was about to pass by them. What? I, he, was, he was just getting to the other side of the lake, evidently. And it makes you, was this no big deal? I mean, were there other times when things like this happened and nobody even noticed? And there are incidences kind of like this throughout the life and ministry of Jesus. There are several kinds of these stories. In fact, there's not a single time when Jesus shows up anywhere and says, hey, everybody, look, it's me. I'm the man. And, and if, you want, if you want to see what I can do, watch this. He never does that. And, and deep down, I question that. I, I want him to do that. I think if I were God, I, I wouldn't let that happen. If I were God, I would solve that problem. If I were God, I would show the bad guys who they are once and for all. And not only does God never do that, but it becomes clear the more you read the Bible that the authors of the Bible, who were inspired by God, by the way, they never, they never defend that. They never even explain that. Their response amounts to, yeah, I know, that's right. But look, you're not God. He is. So if you think about it, if you think about this shyness of God, it seems like he's made it possible for us to just ignore him. It seems like he allows for that. It seems like it's possible for us to disbelieve him. We do it nearly every day. 
It seems like he's made all of that entirely possible. I like the way Pete Gregg put it. He put it more poetically, and I want you to see this. Billions of people wake up each day precariously balanced on a rock, traveling at 66,627 miles per hour around the sun in a galaxy itself, which is itself moving at 1,342,160 miles per hour in relation to extragalactical frames of reference. Quietly, these people make themselves coffee, stare out at the dawn breaking, the dew glistening, and for the most part, barely give the maker of so much mystery a second thought. Their three-pound brains churn through 11 million bits of information per second, and their 11-pound hearts pump five liters of blood through 100,000 miles of tubing, and yet the giver of life demands neither allegiance, acknowledgement, nor thanks. Instead, we bite our nails and we create uh, tension cramps in our necks, worrying about issues that will not matter at all in 50 years. Many of them won't matter in 50 days. Some of them won't matter in 50 hours. We lose sleep, we lose focus, we lose our sense of purpose, and we get distracted from our God-given design because of this worry and hurry and clinging. And could it be that in the middle of that, while we are straining at the oars, eternity is passing by, constantly ready to speak? But only very rarely will he announce himself and demand our attention. Very rarely. Because he's not presumptuous. Most of the time he waits for us to ask, for us to get still, for us to acknowledge him. And maybe we miss him. And so much life and peace and energy, so much direction and provision and encouragement goes unattended and unnoticed because we aren't listening. Throughout the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets, sometimes firmly, sometimes predictively, sometimes patiently. As we heard moments ago, God spoke through a whisper to Elijah. God spoke, as Bill referenced, through a dream to Joseph. God hums through the songs of the Psalms, and ultimately God spoke vividly and clearly with his own voice through the human form of God the Son. But we, we must pay attention in order to hear him. We must train ourselves to listen to his messages, and it needs training to listen to his voice. Otherwise, he might pass by. It takes practice. It takes discipline. If you don't feel like you're good at it, you can join me in line. Some of us are, are wired by personality and disposition to spend a lot of time here. It's really hard for us to get still and spend any time here or here. It takes discipline. It takes practice. But we were made for this, for a relationship with God. This is what we were made for. So we talked for the last two weeks about ways that God speaks to us which are external to ourselves. We started by talking about the Bible two weeks ago. God's primary means of communicating to him, himself to us is through his word, and he will never speak in a way that is inconsistent with this. And then last week, we talked about two other ways that God speaks to us external to our own processes, circumstances, and community. Uh, this week, thank you, a few of you sent me notes reminding me of ways that God, this wasn't meant to be an exhaustive list, 
and you, you talked to me of ways that God has uh, spoken to you. Some of you said that God speaks to you through creation, and he certainly does. This is why in Romans chapter 1, the apostle Paul can say, look, you're without excuse because God's made himself pretty plain in the universe. It's clear. Others of you spoke about how God speaks to you through, and has spoken to you through, through music. And, and also, no surprise, a part of his book is, is songs. Uh, for many of you, this is a means of consistently centering on his presence. And for some of you, you've actually heard from him through music. Well, today we're going to turn the page. And we're going to list the ways that God speaks to us internally, through our internal processes. This isn't meant, as I said, to be an exhaustive list, and we will not give any of this the treatment that it deserves. If we did, we'd have to spend some time warning ourselves about this. This can be dangerous territory. As I said, you know, we can, we can spend time training and, and making stuff up, and, you know, was that, was that God? No, it was probably the pizza you had last night. There, there, we, it, it comes with a warning, but God does speak to us through these means, and we would be equally unwise to discard that. So, uh, here's the point. Look, don't get lost in the details of the last five weeks or this morning. You can come back to those. But if you miss everything else, don't miss this. God is communicating himself to us, and the most important work of our lives is learning to hear him. The most important work of our lives that's the point of this whole series. We've spent five weeks together on this topic. Lots of good information, I think. Lots of great encouraging responses from you about times that God has spoken to you. But the point of it all, of this, of this whole series, is, is a reminder to us, or in a few cases, uh, informing us that God is literally passing by moment by moment. He is communicating himself to us, and the most important work of our lives is learning to listen and hear him. All right, given that, now let's look at, at let's, let's go into the hood, let's look inside. How does God communicate himself internally to us? And I'm going to list just four ways. Number one, God speaks internally through our pain. God speaks through our pain. From his testimony, we know that the apostle Paul struggled. For one thing, he had a consistent underlying problem. He called it a thorn in his flesh. Some have suggested it was an emotional issue like recurring depression. It has even been suggested that he struggled with his sexuality. Some have suggested some form of epilepsy or another physical ailment. Uh, and many commentators circle around the idea of some kind of chronic pain that may have impeded his attempts to witness and at times made it impossible to travel or even to do his job when they settled into a new area. He talked about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen to how Paul described it. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults. I delight in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now notice, from this experience, 
Paul has learned from experience with pain, Paul has learned to reframe every negative experience in his life. And, and, and notice also that uh, it's not just that he's learned to live with the pain. The truth is he learned a deeper dependence on God and he ultimately became more effective in his ministry because, because, because of his pain. God spoke a profound lesson into his life about real strength and real power through his pain. In it, there was a literal word from God. C.S. Lewis once said, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Look, uh, I know that there are a few of you who are in this place this morning. I spoke after the 9 o'clock service with uh, someone whose pain has been close to my prayer life for a long time. Some of you are in this place uh, wondering what God is saying. I don't know. But I know that God speaks internally through our pain. Is there some message for you right now? Is, is he passing by your pain this morning? Secondly, God speaks internally through pictures or images. This is, this is very close to just the normal operation of our imaginations. But there are times when uh, uh, I, I like, you know, what Bill said when he was talking about uh, dreams earlier. You know, he, I, I've learned to listen for, for this or this or this. And there, there are ways that pictures, uh, images in our mind become that. They become especially pregnant with meaning or with intensity or with purpose. At times it seems the, the, the picture seems to take on a life of its own. In week one of our series, we talked about some of the indicators that a message is from God. We listed six things. We said a message from God is often surprising. Secondly, a message from God has a sweet reasonableness. It, it has a calm authority. We said a message from God feels like a gentle touch to the soul. It is often succinct but very, very rich. And finally, we said most of all, most importantly, a message from God sounds like Jesus. God's voice always sounds like Jesus. Well, sometimes internal pictures can take on that kind of character. In the Old Testament, the prophet Zechariah saw a flying scroll. <laughs> and that, that picture, that weird picture, became a message for him and for the people. The prophet Amos saw a plumb line measuring a wall. And that became a message for himself and about the people, about their waywardness. The prophet Ezekiel saw a valley of dry bones that were brought to life. That became a message of hope. And the apostle John saw a kaleidoscope of images about the future of humankind, which became the book of Revelation. I've gotten three emails from different ones of you about pictures that God has given you during this series, during our lab work. God speaks through pictures, images in our minds. Years ago, I had a friend who was going through a very tough time. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. She had, she'd come from a traumatic background. Her mother was schizophrenic. She was in and out of hospitals her whole childhood. So attaching to any kind of relationship had always been a challenge for her. When she became a Christian, she found a relationship with Jesus Christ and for the first time finally found a relationship that she could lean into. She was unable to trust any human beings, which made uh, relationship building really difficult, but, but this relationship, finally she could trust. At some point, this friend, let's call her Lisette, 
uh, went through a very, very difficult period emotionally and spiritually. And Lisette felt like God wasn't there for her. So why, why do I feel so alone? Where is God? Why is he not uh, speaking to me? Does he not love me anymore? Am I not lovable? These are just the tapes that ran constantly through Lisette's mind. I want to add one more seemingly insignificant detail. Lisette was collecting milk jugs for our church because we were going to build an igloo out of milk jugs for our children's program. And she had a massive number of milk jugs piling up in her home and in her car. Well, one night, another friend was praying with a group of people, and Lisette was part of that prayer circle. This other friend knew nothing about what was going on with Lisette. They didn't know one another really at all. But while they were praying, this guy got a picture in his mind, very vivid, and it just wouldn't go away. So he asked God what it meant, and then he felt like God gave him an interpretation. He, he felt like an idiot, but it was so pressing, he felt like he had to share it. So he told Lisette that he saw her sitting cross-legged in the middle of an igloo all alone. He told her he believed he knew what God was trying to say. God was cutting off vertical communication, communication with himself, just for a season, to force her to move horizontally because he wanted her to begin to build relationships with her brothers and sisters in Christ. There was a kind of healing available to her there that was not going to come any other way. Two years later, Lisette's life was unrecognizable even to herself. She was surrounded with community. Her life was filled with healthy relationships. And within five years, she was in a healthy marriage. Lisette's life was dramatically changed through a picture. God speaks through pictures. A third way that God speaks to us internally is through our subconscious or the work of our mind just below the surface of our active thought life. This is why Nikki encouraged us this morning to allow, see what bubbles up. Many people will refer to this as a sense of peace or, or a sense of rightness or a sense of next. Uh, when, when walking with the Lord generally, he will guide us into his wisdom with a sense of this peace. Isaiah put it like this, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. The Apostle Paul said something similar. He said, look, don't be anxious about anything. Don't, don't, don't be running, worry, hurry. Don't, 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 don't be clinging. But look, just in every situation, decision to make, problem with your children, problem with your relationship, problem at work, don't, don't, don't be anxious. Present it to God with thanksgiving, prayer and petition. And then the peace of God transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds, lead you. If we're on the right path, doing it the right way, peace will mark our steps often. But if we're resisting God, then God will convict us and even bring us trouble. Uh, Psalm 32.3, Hosea 6.1, many other passages give this indication. Another friend, we'll call him Charlie, told me about a business opportunity he had. It was an investment. And it looked really good on paper, and I think ultimately it ended up being uh, successful. And he liked the guy that he would be working with. But Charlie just couldn't get himself to feel at ease about it, uh, completely mysteriously. I mean, everything seemed good. Charlie said this, 
I even had sleepless nights thinking about this. Couldn't understand. I couldn't get myself to even be interested. So over breakfast one morning, another friend suggested to Charlie that maybe this disquiet in his spirit was, uh, was from God. Charlie turned down the opportunity. The very next week, he was asked to be involved with another business opportunity that was exactly, his words, in the pocket for me. It really was my passion. He said, it's not like I get these kind of offers regularly or ever. This was just very unusual. And had I not turned down the first opportunity, I wouldn't have had the space physically or financially to be involved with what is now the best part of my work life. I don't even know if I would have heard about it. God speaks to us internally through the subconscious, just below the surface, through a sense of peace or the sense of next or the sense of rightness, through the press of his guidance, positive or negative. And we have to learn to pay attention to what's going on inside, under the surface. God may be speaking. Let me mention one final way that God communicates himself, and we'll end where we began. God speaks to us through dreams. We heard about one of Bill's experiences with a dream. As Bill said, God spoke uh, Joseph in a dream in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, he spoke through a world-changing dream uh, to uh, Peter in Acts chapter 10. This past week, uh, Jordan and I um, called a man named Dick Brogdon. And Dick and his wife have lived most of their adult life as missionaries in the Sudan and Saudi Arabia. We, uh, we asked Dick about God speaking through dreams. And Dick said, almost everyone we've ever interacted with in the Muslim world has had some kind of dream experience with God. Sometimes it's been an invitation to a relationship with Jesus, but more often it's been an assurance that they're on the right path, that the sacrifices they're making are worth it and are right because they need those kind of assurances. In one example, he told us uh, that his wife had been sharing her faith with two uh, Muslim sisters for quite some time. And at one point, one of the sisters gave her life to Christ and became a Christ follower, but the other rejected. The one who had rejected. Shortly after that, one night she had a dream. And she saw a huge man sitting on a throne. In the dream, she was being lifted up to the man And she heard him say, I am your father. So when she woke up, she told her sister about it, and her sister told her that the man in the dream might be Jesus. So she wanted confirmation. So she asked Jesus, reveal yourself to me again. So another night, she had another dream. She was standing in a pool. She looked over her shoulder and again saw a huge man standing over her shoulder. This time he was laughing at her. She wondered why he was laughing, but the laughter seemed to be warm. It seemed as if almost he was laughing at how stubborn she is. She began to be convinced by these experiences, but because the call to Christ, follow Christ is so costly for a Saudi woman, she wanted further confirmation. So a few days later, she asked Jesus if he could heal her mom who is crippled. And for a few hours, her mom was up and walking around the house. She gave her life to Christ. Dick and his wife told us several more fantastic stories about Jesus' appearance to his Muslim friends in dreams. Again, he told us virtually everyone they have dealt with in the Muslim world has experienced God through a dream. I was so encouraged I wanted to become a Christian again. At one point, Jordan asked him, Dick, why do you think you see so much of this and 
we don't seem to experience as much of this in, in the United States, in the West. Dick said two things that were fascinating. He said, first, he talked about how the supernatural, things beyond our experience, haven't been educated out of the Muslim mind. They don't have the obsessive need to control their world the way we do. They know they cannot. They also have not learned our bias for secularism and, and for only believing what we can explain. The second thing he said is, uh, he noted that these dreams never stand alone. They always come with a gospel explanation and with miraculous signs and with the loving interaction of Christian community, and all of that taken together ends up changing lives. God speaks through dreams. By the way, if you want to know more of Dick's stories, talk to Jordan sometime. Amazing. Here's the point. God is communicating himself to us, and the most important work of our lives is learning to hear him. He wants to talk to us about that job. He wants to speak about that relationship and our loneliness. He wants to encourage us to give us purpose. He wants to soothe our worries over our children. Let's learn how to listen. We're going to end our time this morning with uh, the kind of exercise that we've been doing for the last few weeks. We're going to do some lab work. So you are invited to engage now. This is you and Jesus. You're invited to get engaged in a couple of ways. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up if they would. And uh, you're invited, a fuller explanation is in your program, but you are invited to uh, the mercy meal where we remember and we reflect. And I want you to do that. You come as you feel led. I want you to do that by coming forward, grabbing a piece of bread and a cup, return to your seat, and do some work with God. Just reflect on his sacrifice for you and, and be thankful. Uh, the second way that I want you to interact this morning, uh, if you have time and the inclination, is what we're going to call the wind and the whisper gallery. So on either side of the room, there are two sets of pictures. They're the same pictures, so you don't need to go from one side to the other. It's 30 images, and I'd like for you to spend a moment, reflect on these pictures, and I want you to identify three things, if you would. This is also in your program if you need a refresher in just a second. I want you to identify what image represents an area where you find it particularly challenging to hear from God. Secondly, I want you to identify an image that represents a place where you might expect to hear God's voice, but you rarely do. Think of Elijah standing in the cave. Earthquake, that's got to be God. God's not in the earthquake. So uh, find an image that, that you think, you know, that looks great. I would think God would speak to me there, but he rarely does. And finally, I want you to identify an image that represents a space where God seems to speak to you consistently. When you return to your seat, spend a minute reflecting on that. If you've got something to write with, write in the space on your program. Why do you think each of those places, somebody after the 9 o'clock service came to an incredible realization uh, from these images. So why do you think that image spoke to you as a place where you consistently can't really hear God's voice. You don't experience his presence. Why does that one seem like a place where you do? Uh, reflect on that for a few minutes, if you would. I'm going to pray and launch us, and then you're on your own for the next six or seven minutes. Uh, let's do some work with God. 
relax, go to either station in whatever order you want to, or neither. You can stay in your seat. Let me pray for us. Father, we want to do our best to open our hearts, our minds, our ears to you now. We ask you to speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.